Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. And may I say, because I missed last week's episode, I hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. I was busy failing miserable, miserably at a bowling tournament. I, I wasted a good entry fee for $0. But that's okay. I, I persevere, I move on, and we have a loaded, loaded-ass bandwagon today because we've got a special guest and a full compliment. I'm going to first welcome in our good friend, the live studio audience himself, PC Tunney, because he had a finger up while I was talking about the poor bowling. So how are you, yes. sir? I am a fellow, well, I don't bowl anymore, but I used to be pretty competitive into it. And usually when you go to these tournaments and you don't bowl well, it's one of two things. Were they super dry, or was there a shit ton of oil on them, Patrick? It was super dry. And uh, funny story, because it was just a local tournament, so it was nothing, you know, not not big, like people all over the place coming. The house has a uh, has like a, an evening special on Saturday nights. 
So house shot, all the lanes are full. People draw, um, pulling on with house balls. Nobody oiled the lanes the morning of the tournament. So all you had was leftover oil from the Saturday night special. And so for anybody who's a hardcore bowler out there, you know that that is not a good situation to bowl on. Anyway, that was that was last week. That was last week. You guys were busy holding down the fort here. Uh, the man who nobly tried to steer the ship is with us again, fresh from his trip to Anaheim. Let's welcome in the lawyer, David Ungar. How you doing, Dave? Uh, pretty good, man. Recovering, that sort of thing. Can I tell you, I love, you are the definition of like the angry old man when you go to Disney. Because I didn't get one positive DM from your experience at Disney. Like you would send us DMs, it would be like, all the rides are broken down. This sucks. Oh, no, 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 these damn kids, nothing works. How was your trip really? Was it really that bad, man? Or were you just being curmudgeon in the moment? It was a good trip other than, yeah, when you've get, got like the six biggest rides all break down at the same time. That's a little bit odd, I would say. Budget cuts, perhaps, maybe? That's what I heard. See, there it is. There it is. Conspiracy theory, Dave. Reach it out there looking for, for a reason. Sometimes shit breaks. It's just the way it goes. I, I, will, say, uh, I will say this. On the Web Slingers ride this time around, when we were in line, because the best thing that they've done is they got rid of the virtual queues for Web Slingers and, and Rise of the Resistance. So now... You know, and it's like, hey, if you want to sit around for two hours, that's great, which we did, but not it wasn't two hours. But they have a lot of lockers. Ray, you would appreciate this on Web Slingers. They have like lockers for all those kids who are going to the academy, oh, nice. and the names in there, I can't remember all of them, but they're like, you know, uh, Riri, Riri Williams is in there. Uh, other, but there's like other names that uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember all of them. But Dorian Green, yeah, Dorian. She, but this was different. This is like, um. God dang, there were some there were some names in there that kind of raise a oh uh Amadeus Cho was his he had a locker. Mm. So it's kind of interesting as to who they might be bringing in this whole thing, but um Evelyn Cho is is canon in the MCU. So Yeah. So my I'm wife maybe come soon. What did what did they tell you? My wife has something. What? Oh, lost pressure. I don't know. They said that somewhere in DCA when all those rides broke down, <laughs> they lost pressure. Whatever that means. Uh, so I'm not sure. But I, it, 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 no. wiped, it wiped out half the park for like 20 minutes. That was terrible. Well, you heard his voice very briefly. Everyone, welcome in our good friend, surprisingly today, the Reverend Ray Cash. Oh, man. You know, it's tough. It. It's tough being the Rev. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. Rev, how you doing, man? I'm doing better than Joe Osteen. Are you, though? You earned that one. You earned that one. That was that was worth it. Uh, Pleasantly surprised to have you on the show today. We thought you were going to big time us, uh, but we're glad to have you here on the bandwagon. Even though we completely rescheduled the entire show, uh, brought in extra folks, postponed something on your behalf, and and really, I'm just you know, we could we could just wrap the show and play it by ear. We can't. I already wrote the rundown. I sent it. Um, I've already. I've only added one thing to it. I, I just. I, not today. And in fact, here you go. See, that's that's what you get. That's what you get for for trying to trying to step on 
on the plan because it's all part of the plan. Anyway, let's also welcome in our special guest uh, who was supposed to be filling in for the Reverend Ray Cash. And since we'd sent the invite, you don't pull the invite after you've sent the invite out. That's rude. Back after responding to yet another Platt signal, Mr. Christopher Platt, the voice of the Chair Shot Radio Network. How are you today? Oh, I, I thought I was going to get some applause or some shit. That's why I, I gave Don't you ask for it because they will boo you. Don't yeah, do see, it. See, that's what happened. You can't, you can't do that. See, now... And now, and now the show... See, I'm concerned the show is going to be called Racist Now because it only boos the black guys when they're sitting there begging for cheers. Like, he, what well, are you doing? You're setting us well, up. Well, I mean, you did replace the one black guy with the other black guy. So. Yeah, so, I mean... <laughs> yeah. It's because it's it's I have heat with the other members of the Chair Shot Radio Network. I, that's what it is. This is yeah, basically like, uh, like Lionel on you the up? You know what I mean? Who do you <laughs> <up>? <laughs> I don't think I have heat with anybody, but I do have a story to tell during Pitch Patrick that um, I, I'm excited to, to throw out there, the thing that kind of fell in my lap. But it does um, come at the expense of a, of a fellow member of the Chair Shot Radio Network. So we have quite the show in front of us today. We're going to talk about the possibility of Skynet going live, Halle Berry inking a multi-movie deal We've got some news surrounding Hawkeye and Disney streaming. We got loads of trailers, all kinds of good stuff today. But before we get to any of that, one, I need to remind you that you're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com, where you are encouraged to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Soundbite done at the behest of one Greg DeMarco. Anyway, we are going to, well, when he comes back, we're going to jump right into. We're going to jump into Patrick freezing on the microphone. That That's what we're jumping into, folks. <laughs> He'll be back. Just real quick. He'll be back. There he is. See, there he is. I watched you all freeze and was like, ah, damn it. So we're jumping into the part of the show where Ray and, and Chris Take a powder for 20 minutes. Get to, get, to, get to take a powder for about 20 minutes as we're going to talk uh, episodes 8 and 9 of Lock and Key. And I'll go ahead and cue up my abruptly ending music right now. And it's done. I almost, I, I I almost made you a new one, but I, then I got lazy and started. I drinking. thought that Chris was actually breaking out a flute there before I realized it was to it was to comb his beard. I'm like, is he going to play a fucking flute here? <laughs> He's a master bro, of gotta, skin flute, apparently. I, this is true, but bro, I broke my Indian flute, man. I got to get another one. I was almost learning how to play it as well. I was self taught, obviously, but yeah, I need to replace that. I, I would like it noted to the rest of the bandwagon. I did offer Mr. Platt the opportunity to to bypass this part of the show. And he was like, nah, I, I'll, I'll be around. It's fine. I, I'm a little nervous that he's, he's going he, uh, to hijack our lock and key talk. I probably will. But I mean, what better yeah, time for self-grooming, you know? That's right. You, you go ahead and self-groom. While we sit and we talk about two episodes of lock and key, Tony... 
I think it was around episode five or six. I can't remember which one it was where you were like, man, I wish we weren't stopping because you wanted to, you wanted to watch the last one happened after episode nine. I really did just want to watch the rest of it and be like, okay, I got to see how this ends because even the hopeful moments of episode nine resulted in tragedy and were horribly horrible, like just kind of kicked you in the nuts while you, while you were, thinking that there was going to be some semblance of hope before we get to that part though episode eight dodge has successfully or i guess gabe because now i'm I'm confused but gabe slash dodge manages to get his uh demon key created their demon key created and is able to start possessing members of the community with demons that can then help him in various roles and and dodge is very intentional in the folks that they choose for example we get uh, the police officer some of the kids in the school and at the end of the episode unfortunately we infect um oh what's the girlfriend's name dave jackie Tony. jackie jackie they infect jackie which leads um which leads to a whole other sort of tragic mess that we'll get to later. Uh, episode nine is really all about sort of the setting of the chessboard to build towards this final episode 10 as Dodge goes up to Kinsey and says, I want you to join me fully. Uh, Bodie is going along with his little friend to rescue Josh when they learn that he's been tricked by Eve to go into the cave to look for the portal. Um, why is it Tyler? I'm Tyler, Tyler, uh, Tyler with his uncle, uh, in an effort to save Duncan, Jackie Duncan. Duncan. Yep. Drink everybody, got, by the way, if you're playing, you if you're playing you just, the bandwagon nerds hey, drinking, you called, you called, e, you called Eden Eve. So you're just getting very, Eden, bi- Eve, getting biblical you know, here, Pat. I, it is. I, I've just, I, I've slept since then. I don't know. Um, I did take a nap after after watching the shows. Who knows? Anyway, uh, Eden uh, takes um, Josh into the cave to the portal, where there's a confrontation with Dodge. There's just a lot going on in Nine. Um, Tyler's key that he he creates he he creates in an effort to remove the demons that are possessing people. Unfortunately, it has a terrible side effect. Tony, I'll go to you first. Your thoughts on what we witnessed as we head into the final episode of Lock and Key next week. Episode 8 almost lost me. I really wanted to turn the shit off and stop fucking watching. I, I was thought so it was angry at A2. I was. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe I invested all this time to get to this dumbass fucking episode here. I mean, just the way they... <laughs> I can't even explain it. I'm glad that you felt the same way, Patrick. Um, how would you explain it? What what pissed you off as much as looks like it pissed me off? Because it just felt like it was really cheesy storytelling, I guess, is the best way I could describe right. it. On- well, if Lock and Key has one problem that drives me nuts, and it's something that I'm, I've talked about before, people make terrible decisions in, in, in any movie or show or you don't have anything to drive the plot. Every, like... It's just one of those episodes where every character seems to make particularly dumb decisions. And 
you know, and I think, and the other one is the big character flip on Bodhi. Like, and I get he's, what is he, nine? I think is nine or ten is how old he's supposed to be. And so some of it is just the emotions of a child and, like, the overreactions of a child. But he turns into a little dick for, like, a good portion of the show, uh, of that episode. And it's just so out of character for what he's been for so long. I'll tell you what's been, what was the best part of those last two episodes for me was Mom. Mom, who is really struggling because she knows she's outside of all this stuff, but she's not an idiot. I was just actually kind of thankful that we finally had this. I'm du- I, I'm not playing dumb. I know that everybody else knows about something going on and is bothering me, and it really wants me to like. It's tempting me to go back to drinking. Like, for what it's worth, that was that was the least annoying part. Josh is an that idiot. Was very, that was idiot. very. That was very Hallmarkish. Um, but you know, I, I was, I, I was really hoping I was watching something different when, um, Eden was in there seducing Josh, but unfortunately, oh, we're, still yeah, watching, right? we're still Under watching Black the same, you know, you know, PG 13 kind of, uh, kind of uh show, but yeah, we're getting somewhere. I hope, um, I would say, I would say when it's Gabe, it's Gabe. And when it's Dodge, it's Dodge because we're going to talk about that. Right. Like oh, yeah, absolutely. Birth, right. That's that's the idea. And that's why I was why it's it's tough to say with any certainty how that's all going to work. Dave, what were your thoughts on episodes eight and nine? Well, I don't I don't share your guy. I mean, I, I get what you're saying about Bodie kind of uh, flipping character. But at the same time, that is kind of in character with with the same thing that we said, like in season one, where Bodie's the smartest one of every all of them. And he knows he's being excluded for dumb reasons. And so he's lashing out at his siblings for that, you know, and, and, and I didn't fault him for that. I thought the most important part of episode eight was to get the origin story of how the locks first started making keys and why they first I did started like making. That. Yes, so, I did. I did like that history bit. That yep. was an important that was- piece of backstory that we got that. Okay. So here's how, here's why they did it and how they did it. And it, it's based in alchemy because the one guy, the one his sister told him, you know, you've got to imbue it with your intent and it's got to be a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice. So I, I like that part. Yeah. I mean, I know. Like, by by I, the way, that, that blood sacrifice that they showed back in town, like, did he cut a vein or something? Because like the amount of blood that he like pours into that first, the Omega key, I was like, like every other time we've seen it, it's been like a couple drops. This dude fountain. He bladed. He, he bladed. That that's all you can say about he, it. He must have bladed. He, he bladed more than Ric Flair in a cage match versus Kerry Von Eric. But I thought like last week, Tony and I were talking about how when when Tyler wanted Jackie to use the memory key and she said no, and Tony and I were like, okay, that's probably the end of their relationship. Uh, so we were we were right, but in the wrong way. PC, uh, the relationship did yeah. did end in the worst way possible. Uh, but yeah, I thought the creation of the alpha key, which we're going to get into. And like you're saying, Pat, it works, but with a devastating side effect. So, um, Tony's raising his hand up. No, no, we're, we're waving. I was waving to dream pie. Oh, got it. <laughs> dream pie. <laughs> I, she said, Hey guys. Key. Oh, that's nice. The, the alpha key. That was the one thing in the episode that I wanted to go back and rewatch the forging of that key 
and and hear what Tyler actually asked for. Because if there's, I, I think what I'm, and maybe you guys can can comment on this as well. It seems like forging of the keys, and they talk about how you have to be very clear in what you want the key to do. It's very much like a deal with the devil sort of thing. Like if if you give it a loophole, it's going to take the loophole. And it seems like this one took the loophole with a serious consequence because the alpha key works. Tyler does use it on um, Jackie. The demon is released from her, but shortly thereafter, Jackie dies, or at least apparently dies. Um, she cries black tears too uh, before before dying, and it's you I, know we're gonna have to deal with the ramifications of that in the next episode. I thought it was metal tears. I thought she was crying out the the whispering metal or something like that. I, but it could you, who knows? Well, because she she's dead with it whispering matter. metal. She was she was hit with the key. Like the key is what 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 infected her. So I don't know how that key works either. Like we don't know whether it is like putting whispering metal in. Like what is it? Essentially, it's another portal though, and that's kind of problematic for the show in general. Like. The portal was always kind of this thing that made Whispering Metal special in this this gateway for demons. So they got to do something about that key. Yeah, you mentioned the mom, and and when we leave off in episode nine, she's going to go have copy with Detective Mbaku. That's what I'm going to call him because I don't remember his name, but it sounds very Mbaku. close to it. Sounds very close to that. Uh, so I'm just going to go Detective Mbaku and her are going to go have coffee, which and he's a demon. So you got to figure that's going to be Gabe slash Dodge's ace in the hole. For whatever happens in episode 10. But apparently now on the lock side is the chimney harness, which the great, great ghosty grandfather helped them locate uh, since they couldn't go directly talk to him with the ghost key. I'm interested to see what that's going to do. Um, right. I, I, w- I was very interested in that as well. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's that's about it, really. I mean, it's all coming together now. Hopefully... I don't know. Like, how many more seasons did they get? They're 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 already greenlit def- for next year, right? We are definitely greenlit for a season three. Um, let's talk and about the kind of, well, yeah. The final episode's called Cliffhanger, so I guess we know where we're heading on this episode. Well, at the same time, that just means something could be happening on that. There is a there is an actual cliff that's very pertinent in the show, it is so true. that yep. could be a little bit of a red herring. And- um, I. One funny thing I'd like to say is I appreciate Gabe slash Dodge's taste. Immediately we turn in uh, whoever owns the best, you know, seafront property into a demon so that we can all live in this beautiful house together. I'm like, that was smart. Give you right. points there, well, buddy. Um, well done. And yeah, I'll be honest with you. I would love for this show to end after three seasons now. Yeah, because at one point it's it starts to grow to a point that goes beyond the town. If it keeps doing what it's doing and, and hopefully there is an end game here. So we saw at the very end of episode nine in front of the portal, after Gabe Dodge drops a cave in emerging from the rubble, uh, a familiar face that we haven't seen in a long time. The like OG Dodge crawling out of the rubble, which is why it turned into the question of, which Dodge is Dodge? Is it Gabe Dodge or is it Dodge Dodge? And that's how I'm I'm addressing her as Dodge Dodge. And is is that going to lead to some sort of weird confrontation between those two? The other question I have for you guys, and, and Dave sort of brought it up, Mom. 
Oh, what what do you think the odds are? We'll do. A, we're gonna play games of odds makers. What do, what do you think the odds are that we end season two with some sort of happy go lucky or some sort of semblance of stability with the family and mom, but mom's infected? Ninety percent. Do you think she's the one that gets infected? Yeah, I think Josh gets infected. Well, here's the thing, like Pat saying, now here's what I think happened at that last scene of episode nine. I think that's Ellie who's crawled out of the portal and is now mm. making her way back. Oh, shit, you're oh, right. Oh, oh for I forgot. Sure. That might not you're be totally Dodd. right. It's not. You are totally well, right. I don't know. Because she turned her into. I don't think, I, I think that's interesting, but I, I disagree. I don't think that's what's going to happen. Dave, I think you're money on it. I can't wait. Oh. I think that's dodge dodge. I can't wait for next week when we get to find out whose instincts are correct on this one. Dave, I'm I'm with you I'm right now to find out. <laughs> no, no cheating, no cheating. You have you put out your schedule on Twitter. You need to keep your schedule going, sir. We, we have expectations, but I totally forgot about that, Dave. And we even talked about that three two weeks ago. Uh, about that whole confusion stuff, that realization. So yeah, maybe that's what it is. Ellie is is perhaps back because if you, again, if you cheat, it, if you cheat, you read the description yeah. on the episode. It right. says a, a, a surprise, an unexpected. Yeah, exactly. So I, well, but cheating. I can't watch it, but you can read about what's going to be next. Come it's on, what it says when you go away from the next episode, <laughs> man. Can't watch that shit. Once the credits hit, it's over. You're oh, done. Oh, no, listen. But if, listen if, to if it is, if it. it is Ellie, though, now that raises another question as to things that go into the portal can apparently come out, and how does that work? Well, we don't know. Guess we'll have to find out. Maybe we'll get an answer next week. Maybe we'll get an answer in 2027. Maybe Ray will as, give us an answer as, next week. I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll find out because Ray Ray I'm assuming any thoughts on episodes eight and nine of Lock and Key? Yes. <laughs> that was a preemptive boo. Yeah, that's why I didn't say nothing. I know better. All right, I I love you, man. <laughs> okay, I see Christopher Platt wandering his way back into the studio booth. Perfect timing, sir, as we are about to go to our first commercial break. We have wrapped episodes 8 and 9 of Lock and Key. I, I am looking forward to episode 10. Can we play Guess guess Their Age? A real quick game of Guess Their Age? God, no. I, I Is this like a Save by the Bell situation? Check, check it out. Check it out, though. What if <laughs> the lock... is the key. The actress who plays Jackie, Tyler's girlfriend, her name is Genevieve Kang. How old is Genevieve Kang? Who plays just turned 18 year old on the show? 27. 24. 32. 32. What? 32 years old. My God. And I'm not trying to go there in any kind of perverted way. What I mean to say is Genevieve Kang 
you uh you your congratulations for being 32 and passing as 18 uh, on the on the, in the movies because never thought you, you're a very well aged 32 year old woman so good for you well i mean that's like the uh, nicest way i i hear you all right well that is going to do it for this week's rundown of lock and, and key she's one episode the dms are open you know we all uh, there we go all right. put the microphone right. away from your face sir stop hitting on genevieve we're going to go to our first commercial break. When we come back in approximately one minute and 16 seconds, we're going to jump in to the trailer park. A lot of big time trailers dropped. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. All right, kids. Hop onto the wagon. Dave, cue up the music. We are heading to the trailer park, and we got a ton to cover.
All right, here we are. Interesting visit to the uh, to the to the uh, to the bandwagon to the trailer park this week because we got a little bit of everything. We got a potpourri. We've got some new trailers for movies that we've talked about that are coming out soon already. We've got one big debut trailer that dropped. We've got one that I, I put out because it's near and dear to my heart, and I'll fully own that I did that one just because of my love of the characters. But let's get into our first new trailer uh, for a movie that we know is coming out matrix the matrix resurrection put out a trailer titled deja vu and i shared this i hope everybody had a chance to watch them uh, but i put this one out just because it was a lot of fun to watch them parallel this new matrix film that is that is coming out at the end of december with the original trilogy of movies and showing all these juxtapositions with this challenge that everything that people thought they knew about the matrix trilogy back when it first came out, uh, isn't, isn't really going to be like, they're going to turn it on its ear, which is very much what we see out of a lot of these like reboots or 20, you know, nostalgia pushed movies and the narratives. we got to flip it all around. We got to, uh, we got to, we got to change your expectations. But I, I thought it was—I thought it was unique. I thought it was really well done, and uh, I also noticed—and I don't know if you guys noticed this too—I was under the impression this movie was going to drop on HBO Max, but that trailer said it was only dropping in theaters. So, first of all, I'll start with uh, Ray, who uh, who sat out the the first go around, and then um, and then we'll go to Platt. We'll get we'll get you two in first to comment on the trailers. Uh, since you got you, you sat out for lock and key, what were your thoughts on this Deja Vu trailer? And did I miss something? Did this get booted just to theaters, or will we still get it on HBO Max where we could watch it over the Christmas season? I am under the impression still to this moment, unless they change something last second, that it is on HBO Max and theaters. That's how I plan on watching it is that on HBO Max. So if they change that, I mean, good on them, but they need to advertise that. Um, because I, I think I've told you this guy. I think I've told you guys this before. I I, I wasn't a big. I, the first Matrix movie is amazing. I didn't watch any of the other ones, but that was enough for me. Um, it, it's not a thing that it wasn't a thing that I just needed to really delve into deep, like some other stuff that we do or that I enjoy. <clears throat> but the the original trailer and the the new trailer that's out and the Deja Vu trailer basically made me say I want to see this movie. It has interest. It has brought enough interest to me that I know I need to see it when it comes out, and uh, that's a big thing for me because I'll watch a movie regardless. But the trailer tells me when I'm going to watch it, if you will, right? Like I may catch a movie later on down the line. I'm going to watch this movie when it comes out because I'm really excited about it. Keanu looks really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Abdul Mateen is the man. I love that dude. Um, looks really good. I am curious about if they're flipping it, though, because this was supposed to be, I thought, the last movie that was going to be on HBO Max. Right. So. So. Yeah. Plaque. Jump in. But they, but they got a viewer, by the way. They got a viewer in me first day. They definitely got a viewer in me as well. But um, just real quick, can we give the sisters Sophia Stewart her props? Uh, for those of you that don't know, this is the woman, a black woman, BT Dub, whose novel was not only the basis of the original Matrix film, but was also the basis for the original Terminator film as well. And, you know, she's been locked up in a legal battle. Oh, and she, she, 
appreciate you. And she's been locked up in a legal battle with years for years, rather, with the studio. She um, they the studio initially offered her a seven million dollar settlement and she turned it down, which is how you know that she's telling the truth. Eventually, she did win a settlement back in, I think, 2014. And the studio was supposed to pay her out upwards of hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't think they have because I think now she's taking them to court in in, in a, a criminal uh, matter. So, yeah, it, fascinating story, by the way. And you can find some of her lectures and, and talks and interviews and stuff like that on YouTube. Absolutely brilliant, sister. I, I, I suggest that you go out your way just to hear her speak. She's absolutely brilliant. But um, getting back to the trailer and the movie in general, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Matrix guy. So I'm all here for it. I'm excited for it. Pat, I kind of had the same thoughts you did coming out of the trailer because I thought that it was going to be on HBO Max as well as theaters. They made it seem kind of implicit in this trailer that it was just going to be in theaters, which that that would be kind of upsetting. But shout out to Nefarious Means. But uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you were worried yeah. about the content creators, so you know we needed to get it back in theaters. Touche, touche. Yeah, you got a point, but also that is my uh, personal form of reparations. I don't pay for fights or wrestling matches or anything like that. You know, don't give away the business on air. People can listen to it. <laughs> Just kidding. bandwagon nerds <laughs> does not endorse the illegal streaming of content over the internet or any other means. But I'm interested to see where they go and how they flip the story and are able to tell an, an interesting story. So, yeah, I'm, I'm 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 sure I'll have other thoughts, but I'm I'm here for it. Dave, what did you think? Are we, were you a Matrix guy or did you, you – you were one of those that was – were you a little like by the third one like, oh, Jesus. I can't even well, remember. the first Matrix I think got voted during the 90s project the best sci-fi – actually, I think overall the best movie of the 90s if I remember how the poll went down. So I, I, I love the first Matrix – um, not as high on the second or third because it just got, you know, the religious overtones got too great at the end. They're good movies. They just didn't match up to the first one. But then again, what really could. So uh, I'm all in on, on this. So, I mean, I, I'm curious to see how they do it, what they're doing, what the story is. You know, is it just something as simple as Neo being resurrected, which I, it seems more complex than that. Um, according to Wikipedia, the latest entry says that The Matrix Resurrection is scheduled to have its world premiere in San Francisco on December 18th and be released theatrically on December 22nd and will also stream digitally on the ad-free tier of HBO Max in the United States for a month, beginning at the same time. So according to that, right. I mean, I know Wikipedia take it with not so much of a grain of salt as some of the other sources, but still, um, that's what they're saying. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I want to see what happens. I, I'm curious as to how... You know, I, I don't think this is a reboot of the franchise. Maybe this is the actual, you know, for those of us who said, I, I need some different kind of closure than what we got. Wachowskis are saying, here you go. Ray's got something. Yeah, yeah they, it's kind of hard to see there. They definitely weren't able to stick the landing in that last right. one. You know what I mean? At all. Ray, 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 Ray is showing a photo saying that it still says that it's going to be on HBO Max come December 22nd as well. That's HBOmax.com. So, yeah. All right, fair enough. Tony, your thoughts on this latest Matrix Resurrection trailer? It looks interesting. I'm not the Matrix guy here. I've seen bits and pieces. I've known the story. I've never watched a single Matrix movie whoa, from whoa, beginning. Whoa, 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 what? <laughs> it's what not me for once. Yes. I, I told what, what was what? Wow. 
The people get me. We have dueling, we have dueling audiences. Is that what's going on here? <laughs> no, I've never seen any episode or any movie, not episode, any movie, any Matrix movie um, from beginning to end all the way through. Wow, so go it's ahead. Like, it's, it's, it's like Ray and Flash Gordon. All right. Um, here's my thing uh, in response to the the theater versus HBO Max thing. I understand a lot of people are going to see it at HBO Max. The, going to see a movie over over the Christmas weekend is uh, is very big business for theaters. Actually, that between it and New Year's, that's the, they make a lot of money during those holiday those holiday releases. The Matrix to me is also one of those that I think there's an argument to be made to treat it the same way I treated when I went and saw Dune. It's the type of movie that I think its experience will be enhanced by an IMAX theater because there's just something that can be done with an IMAX theater and sound that you can't, that most people can't replicate in their home. Not everybody is DP. So we have to, we have to be able to, you know, us common folks, the the peasants need to go to the theater to even use this hundred 20 inch HD projection screen anymore because he got a brand new like 84 inch UK HD fucking plasma doohickey thingy Jeez. that he's got in front. It's like, wow, dude, can I move into your My basement? <laughs> womp womp. I, you Is know, he hiring? So. Is he hiring? There you go. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> then you're at, then but, you're yeah. at so I do. Platt, go ahead. Just real quick, man, I wanted to ask you guys, because I, I know that it's come out and I've saw reports that Hugo Weaving, he's not going to be coming back reprising his role as Agent Smith. But unless I miss something, everybody seems to be kind of mum on the involvement of, of Fishburne in, in this installment. So what are the odds that you guys think that we, we get to see Fish at some point in this movie? Dave's saying zero. I know I know that Morpheus is cast in... The three, Dave. You said three, zero, big zero. Yeah, three percent. All right, I'll go with three percent. Three percent. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think that the reason they've been mum is because I. Yeah, I'm. I'm with them. I don't think he's in the movie. Uh, they. They talk a lot. Um, there's an interview. Uh, and Ray, can you help me? What's the actor's name that's playing Morpheus? Um, yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen. Yeah, they. They did an interview where he talks about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The studying that he did of Fishburne's performance to get it right and to do the original portrayal justice. So I think that there, I think that that is a, we've moved on from Lawrence Fishburne and we've started this younger actor and in this new portrayal. So we'll just, we'll have to, we'll have to see. Um, So am I lost? Because the way that I've been reading these trailers is that the the Morpheus character that is presented in this fourth movie, it's kind of an extension of the machines. I, I mean, I honestly don't know. I think that there's enough ambiguity around the trailers, and I think it's intentional to to have you ask those questions because that's what, really what the Matrix was all about. Like, if you remember, I remember when the Matrix, when that first movie first came out, and everybody was talking about it, it was trying to figure out and understand how the world works. They want to continue that mystique, so you put out a trailer where you have to ask questions of what you thought to be the norm within the Matrix, and and have a question. I mean, Neo pops out of an egg again in in the trailer, like all over again. So, 
what is real? And that is, and that is a, a very interesting question. That is a very, I think they want you to ask that question, Platt. I think that that's why that trailer is designed the way that it is designed. So from the big screen to the small screen, I'm going to go to a conversation I had with, uh, well, that PC Tunney had with all of us, where he asked me directly, Patrick, what else should I watch on Apple TV Plus? Uh, because he, he'd finished watching Ted Lasso, and it was like, well, what else do I look for? And I think the best I could come up with was, well, they got a Beastie Boys documentary I think is pretty good. And Tony was like, oh, I like the Beastie Boys. I'll go check that out. Well, well, Apple TV Plus and, and Schmigadoon is another, and I don't know that that's really in your wheelhouse, um, but it's a, it's a musical comedy with, um, is it? Keegan Michael Key, Key and Cecily Strong, uh, Strong. That one's gotten that one's gone over pretty well and is pretty strongly reviewed. But one of the things that Apple Plus TV, uh, Apple TV Plus has done is they bought up some classic properties uh, for kids that that are well known. One caused quite a bit of a, a controversy, and that was the Peanuts Gang, because they bought the they, they bought the rights to the Peanuts Gang along with the holiday specials, and we're going to lock them out of television. Uh, and we're going to have the merit and it create uh, on network television. It created n- enough of a stir that they backed off that fight. And it now will air once every holiday special will air once. But one of the other things that they got to do with having the peanuts property is that they get to release new specials and they're re- um, releasing a new holiday special uh, following Lucy, uh, Lucy Van Pelt around the new year. And it's called like it's old anxiety, Charlie Brown or something like that. Watch the trailer. It's uh, a little bit heavier than I think we would expect out of a out of a Peanuts story because Lucy uh, is upset that her grandmother didn't come to visit them for Christmas or something like that, and so she and she thinks it's because her grandmother didn't want to see her, so she throws this party to show everybody how pleasant she can be for New Year's. And then, of course, there's the usual Peanuts gang sort of uh, stuff that you you see in here. And so, Tony, as the Apple TV Plus guy, I don't know what your feelings are about about the Peanuts gang and Charlie Brown. Uh, Charlie Brown is one of my favorite characters and comic strips of all time. So I'm obviously in. What were your thoughts on this trailer? And then we'll go Dave, Platt, and we'll finish with Ray. Well, where I disappointed you with The Matrix... Um, I'm a huge Peanuts fan. I even used to once in a while throw a solo out there called the Sunday Tunnies with the Peanuts music right in there. So uh, I can't wait for this. I, I love the Lucy character. I love that she wrote, rewrote the classic, what is it, Old Lang's Eye, um, <laughs> to make it that it says that Lucy's party rocked or something like that. Uh, right. So I'm here for it. Love me some uh, Snoopy and Woodstock. And um, yeah, just classic entertainment classic you know charles schultz entertainment dave uh well if i had apple tv plus for ted lasso or anything else i'd probably be more into it but as far as peanuts goes it looks like uh they've modernized it just a Everybody's getting booed today. Everybody's getting booed we're all, you get a boo we're you all heels boo. all of us are heels today uh, it, I mean, it looks like, it looks like peanuts to me. A little bit of a modernization of it, but they're keeping the core feel of the peanuts in there. You know, Lucy, I like she actually goes to Charlie Brown to kind of get some advice from him as to you know how do you progress in the world when you're just 
beaten down and beaten senseless more or less and and charlie's got to give her advice which is a, a nice kind of role role reverse a little bit but yeah i i mean if you're a peanuts fan i i am i'm not you know on the level that you guys are but uh it looks it looks entertaining for sure it, it, it's funny pat because when you said they went a little more uh risque with the content i thought you were gonna say that it finally came out that peppermint patty and lucy have been dating this whole time <laughs> She's been dating Marcy for years, Marcy. so yeah, we're, Marcy. we're gonna go. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. Go so, like sort of accessories, so, but okay, so we're on the same Get page. Your Pet- Patty is right, clearly Chris. a lesbian. Come on now. I mean, Lucy could go either way. She clearly got a thing for Charlie Brown. Maybe she's bi because she's clearly got a thing for Charlie Brown. She's been tormenting this kid for seventy years. She so I think she really is in love with Charlie, but she is outwardly with uh and crazy about Schroeder. Maybe uh, pansexual. Maybe Lucy is pansexual. Maybe that's the... Anyway, so... Inclusivity of fucking peanuts. See, see, unlike Dave, we're not going to continue this conversation. Like, No, real quick, though. I'm I'm too a Peanuts fan, so I'm going to check it out, man. I've loved the Peanuts since I was a child. I'm glad that the... It's funny you said they took the network specials off of television because I don't recall them being on television the past few years. Have they still consistently been on some form of television? So Charlie Brown Christmas has always been on the CBS affiliates uh, and then it moved over to ABC. Uh, I think as Disney ended up with rights to, um, if I remember correctly, Disney bought the rights to uh, the peanuts gang uh, on some level for a brief period of time. Obviously it's gone back to Apple TV plus, but it was a big controversy when Apple was like, no, if you want to watch these specials, you got to watch them on Apple TV Plus. And the outcry was so much, and the press was so bad that they're like, "Okay, we can't, we won't." And I want to say, I want to say that some of them have been aired on PBS, uh, like public broadcasting. Uh, but I, and then ABC was always the other one when it moved off of CBS. Those are those are the networks I remember them. And and what's weird is they get played earlier and earlier now. Like I want to say like a different holiday. Like Rudolph got played like the day before Thanksgiving. Like Seriously? it was crazy. Yeah, it's already uh, coming played, coming on. So, uh-huh. but back to the peanuts. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think um, it's when Charles, as Charles Schultz was getting older, he. And his family had more and more control over over the content, the property and the studios like they they were making decisions to, you know, to kind of support themselves and recognize that their sort of mom pop production couldn't couldn't keep it going the way that they wanted to. And so I do believe they sold to Disney uh, and then Apple, I'm assuming, bought it off at Disney. I can't remember how at all how the chain of custody went. Shout out to the Peanuts, though. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm going to check it out. I forgot what I was going to say, so I was hoping to filibuster until I got my thought back, but that doesn't seem to be working. Oh, yes. So uh, Disney also recently bought the rights to me, so there's yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, so, so I I'm, should I'm be expecting – I should be accepting a cease and desist for airing you uh, without their permission. I, I see I see how it is. The Plat Hub oh, is going to be a scary place. Bitch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Ray, Ray, your thoughts on the Play. Peanuts Gang New Year special? The irony is just oh, yesterday. Salutations, bitch. <laughs> the irony is just yesterday, <laughs> you and I, Patrick, we recorded Chair Shot Radio for this Tuesday. Oh, oh, oh. No, no, I know. Oh, my bad. So, well, we we did something we were working on. Wink, wink. Nice. And we, talked, 
<laughs> kayfabe pal because i can't say goddamn no more because i'm property of disney and uh we were talking about how peanuts is your go-to for specials of holidays uh it's great it's a great pumpkin charlie brown and and the christmas charlie brown and whatnot so i think it's apropos that they have one for new year's i also what i love about one thing i love about peanuts is even though it is clearly and 100 percent based around uh, Charlie Brown, as you've explained to us, which is kind of like Charles Schultz kind of personification. Every other character has their moment, not just in an episode, but like an entire thing based around them. And so it's cool to see something from Lucy's perspective that isn't just fucking with Charlie Brown and trying to get his shoulders pants. So right. like, I, I, I'm excited for it. I'm here for it. And Apple TV, I did not watch it for shit except for uh, what was it I watched at the very beginning? When um, no, the first thing I watched the morning show with uh, oh yeah, Steve Carell, Jen Jennifer Anderson, yeah. yeah, and I never watched anything else. And now I'm watching that shit like twice a week now. So shout out to Apple Plus, you you you, you, you you're making that my money well earned. Low it, low key sneaky good shows on there. Uh, yeah, but in the Peanuts, man, it's such a a nice wholesome thing to watch. Like you know what I mean? Like kids are forced to grow up so fast nowadays because of the content. And, you know, a child's innocence is precious and should be maintained at any at all costs. So it's a nice family thing that you can watch. It's not offensive. It's cool. They'll learn some valuable lessons from it. It's We don't see that a lot. Maybe I'm just getting sentimental in my old age. As well, I, as let, I, me, well <laughs> let me help you with that by transitioning to something that is neither wholesome nor family entertainment. As our third trailer that was dropped was dropped just uh, yesterday or no Friday as we got a new peacemaker trailer that hit letting us know that it's coming. And I'm, I mean, it is about family as it is just a story about a man and his dad with a bald eagle, lots of swearing and grenades that are made from apparently missiles as we once again get another look at the bonkers world of John Cena as Peacemaker. Dave, as the resident DC guy, I'm going to kick it off with you. We'll go Platt Tunney, or no, we'll go Platt Ray, then Tunney, to go over this one after you. So, Dave, new new Peacemaker trailer. What were your thoughts? I'd like to tell you what I, my thoughts were, but I, I couldn't see it. You know, because John Cena was there, so I couldn't see it. I'm going to get booed for that. Yeah, I am wearing uh, out that soundbite today. Uh, I, I I dug the trailer. I do like the, the whole Peacemaker trying to reconcile sort of certain issues uh, with his dad. Who with That dad, is that's the Terminator, right? The guy from Terminator, right? That's, um, he too, yeah. 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 Uh, Patrick. Patrick um, uh... Yeah, Patrick some. Yeah. I, Pat, oh, yeah, whatever. Exactly. Robert Patrick. Yeah. That's his name. Robert Patrick. Thank you. Robert thank Pattinson. You, yes, that's who it is. Robert. No. No. <laughs> Batman, uh, damn it. <laughs> I, I like the trailer. It, it looks like it's going to be fun. It looks like it's a gradual way that they're going to try. I don't know. My impression was they kind of like started to turn Peacemaker more into like a good guy. The more the trailer went along, he's having feelings. He's trying to reconcile that sort of thing. And, you know, at some point you got to figure that he's going to be he's he's all that Amanda Waller can turn to his peacemaker at this point, right. in time, which is a scary thought. It's like, wow, that's the best you can do. Uh, but it, it does seem like a, a series that, yeah, family friendly, certainly not entertaining. Absolutely. So I am definitely on board with wanting to get to January to see, 
you know, I, I mean, the, the DC streaming series outside of the uh, the CW verse, it's really what Doom Patrol, Titans, and that's kind of it. I mean, unless you're going to count Young Justice. So this seems like Peacemaker to me feels like somewhere falling between Doom Patrol and Titans as to how batshit crazy we're going to get and leaning more in the Doom Patrol side of things. So, yeah, if it's anything like what we went through with Doom Patrol, it's going to be a great show. So I'm I'm all in. Yeah, I, I, I second that, Dave. I am totally in on this character and this series. I love John Cena in this role. His comedic timing is mwah, chef's kiss. And I also like the fact that he's not uh, self-important or doesn't take himself too seriously in a lot of these roles. He's he's phenomenal. A uh, funny thing is sometimes I lose sight of just how big these professional wrestlers are until I see them in entities like this where they're around normal sized people and it's like holy shit because i mean as a wrestling fan you know the past couple of years we've seen the transformation in john cena's body and we're like oh he's getting small and then you see him around normal right. people and it's like well that's relative <laughs> but yeah the- yeah dwayne johnson's the same way like every time i see oh, dwayne yeah. johnson I, like just not around other humans i'm like man he's he's really shed a lot and then like you see him in jungle cruise and he's just just towering over everyone anytime he's next to kevin hart it's like wow okay (laughs) right well i mean you stick me next to kevin hart i'm gonna look like dwayne johnson dave to be fair but uh, i i get what you're saying though but batista's the same way because batista shed a lot of weight but he's still just a large human fucking me i mean freaking being disney disney owns the rights (laughs) but i'm here this is going to be fun and quite frankly if if i do say so myself this might be the best uh this might be dc's best right now in terms of the movies and everything that they're trying to do this might be the one i mean the flash says hi right tony it's your turn by the way oh no no it wasn't it was racing you were going drink i just want to say if these if if disney owns the right to christopher platt we're about to get paid guys that's all i'm gonna say did you hear did you hear straight darn too did you guys did you guys hear Mickey before? We did. Okay. Let's make make sure. sure you guys go to Disney Plus and, and watch the uh, latest episode of the Beatles documentary. All right. Either either Ray or Tony, somebody go. Um, Johnson is a superstar. And yes. It's, there are some actors that you can see that just transcend the screen. He, every moment he's on screen in that, in that trailer... It's just you can just tell he's not meant to just be just a regular actor. He's he's going to be one of the biggest actors in Hollywood. So and and it may just be the perfect role for him, but he just is every scene he is just scorching the scene. And he's working with some really good actors on that on that on that show. Um I also think James Gunn also is a very twisted genius in his own right. The fact that Peacemaker is would you say is a, a, a F level villain in, in DC right. lore. And now he's one of the most important people in DC's visual television movie universe. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for it. Uh, having my boy, Robert Patrick as his dad just makes so much sense. The quips, um, Cena's always been good at that kind of self-deprecating and that uh, self-deprecating comedy and kind of that uh, plays a great straight man. Plays a great straight man, and Vigilante is gonna be like the takeaway from this movie, from the show. The other, the other yeah, he guy, looks funny. he looks funny. He's going to be hilarious. So I'm, I'm here Bruh. for it. I can't wait. 
Bruh, Cena caught a fair one with Idris Elba, who is a, a, a fantastic actor. But in their scenes in that new Suicide Squad that came out, man, he was able to hold his own. That's very impressive. Tony, your thoughts? Yes, to you. It looks great. I'm going to watch it. I like John Cena. And that's yeah, Hutton, that ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Hutton, Tutty. He's like the kid in <laughs> Christmas Story there. Analysis He's like the kid from in Christmas Story. PC Tenny. I like the Tin Man. <laughs> I like the Wizard of Oz. Uh, okay. Last but not least, very, very last second addition to the rundown as late in the evening Eastern time, a trailer dropped. We knew it was coming. Ray had given us the heads up that it was coming uh, as it was announced that on December 4th, something was going to be coming for the follow-up to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. We got our first look at Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse last night. We got a two-minute trailer where, interestingly enough, like a lot of trailers that are put out a good year or so in front of the movie released, it was enough to get you excited didn't really tell you much of what's going to happen. In fact, most of it is a scene that implies that this movie picks up right where the first movie left off. And we learned that this is part one of two. We get part one in 2022, and then it was announced either today or yesterday that part two will be coming out in 2023. To wrap up the trailer park, Ray's going to go first, then we'll go Dave. Tony and Platt can bring us home. Your thoughts on Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 and the trailer that we saw. Now look at Miguel, too. I'm just about to say, Miguel O'Hara. Boy, he makes himself known in 30 seconds in this damn trailer. Um, I I was really interested to see how they integrated Spider-Man 2099 into this Spider-Verse, if you will. Um, And of course, it's cool to see Miles and Gwen Stacy, because they had a lot of chemistry, as you can tell by the the drawings of Gwen in his book. Yes. Um, But you and I, Patrick, both agree. And you're the biggest Spider-Man fan I know. And I'm not talking small, like massive Spider-Man fan. That the best Spider-Man movie of all of them is Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse. We both agree on that. So I agree to that. That is a high mark that this movie is set on. And uh, sometimes you, the last two movies I can remember that dipped this were the last Hunger Games and uh, the Avengers in game, uh, Infinity One in game, in which they already told you that it's a part one and a part two. So I'm curious to see if that changes the way they make this movie instead of making two separate movies. So they make one whole movie and split it in half because that changes the way you make your script. Um, because it's uh, across the Spider-Verse now. What other spiders can we bring up that we haven't seen yet? Is uh, what, what can you think of, right? Any other spiders that, that I can't think of on top of my head? Because we've already seen Spider-Ham. Piranha, we've already seen Spider-Noir. Spider-Pig? That's what yeah, I meant. Spider-Ham. 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 The one that... The one that... Eat the spam. Spider-Ham. Okay, 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 okay. Stop. Uh... I like my Spider-Ham with Pineapple Man. Oh, God. I just, we're going to just hang up the call. No, um, no there's Aranya, uh, who is a, a short run. Yes, he does. <laughs> I'm done, Pat. Go ahead, man. I'm All right, because I, I am hovering over your name, sir. 
I'll be getting ejected. There is one podcast, Chris. There is one big one we haven't seen yet. Cindy. Which one are you? Silk. Yep. Yep. Silk is another one that I've heard rumor of. Um, We haven't seen any symbiotes of any sort um, show up, so I would be interested to see if spiders though. Sure. Spider family. The symbiotes are so different. They they merge right. with the spiders, but I wouldn't consider them part of the spider. I mean, it depends we on your seen perspective. We'll dog yet. We have not seen spider dog, or dog, or whatever you just said. Oh, dog. Um, dog. Yeah. Yeah. Lemo, 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 and dog. Yes. No. All right. Spider. He did get bit by a spider. He uh, he did not get powers. His face his face swelled up, and. It, it does. Dave, I think it was you second. Please save us. Save us from Platinum. Tunny. I just want to say Please. you're doing a great job steering the ship, Pat. You really are, are exemplary at this. Hey, we're on time. I'm just saying we're on time, and we haven't had near the number of Margot Kidder sex jokes that we would usually have. <laughs> yeah, we haven't had any so, yet, Platt. What's up with that? That's right. Because so, sex with Margot Kidder is no joke, y'all. <laughs> there you go. Dave, Platt. across... Um, being making relations with the fine actress known as Margot Kidder is not a laughing matter. That's true. Thank you. Um, as far as the Dave, trailer goes, yeah, I, I mean, that kind of came out of nowhere. That I, like, like Ray was saying, we were going to get some news on that. I didn't think they had anything this fleshed out going on, but yeah, it's it's um the fact that they're splitting it into two parts is interesting. They, as far as like you guys are running down the spiders, the different spider men that could come into this thing. Most of them are accounted for, I guess at this point, um, you know, we'll see what, what happens, but you got, we're going to get spider Gwen, spider Gwen, you know? Um, so she's going to be yep. coming in there. Um, isn't there like a variation on Deadpool from the spider verse as well? Or is that, that's not spider Gwen, is it? No, there's a Gwen no, pool. Yeah. I, I, wonder if they're going to try and integrate any of that stuff into this whole thing. That might be interesting. But, um, yeah, they, they got Spider-Man 2099 in there at the end for a little bit of time. Like Ray said, made a big impact in a very short amount of time. But I thought it, the, the awkwardness between Miles and Gwen, where she realizes that he's still obsessing over her to a certain extent. And she's like, I missed you, too. And <laughs> and I love, I'm grounded. Well, is Spider-Man grounded? You know, that sort of thing. And so that was it was very cleverly done. Good trailer. It's got a lot like I, I I still think Spider-Man 2 is the best Spider-Man movie of all time. But I get what you guys are saying about Into the Spider-Verse and, and I'm not far behind you. But this movie obviously has a lot to live up to based on the on the lineage of the first one. So, yeah, I, I, I I'm all in for sure. Just real quick. I think I know who the who the big bad's going to be. Madam Web. Mm. It's possible. Because isn't she technically the origin of all the spider powers? It depends on which story you're reading, but she she is she is a character that it, it's very possible that she could she could be behind a lot of this. Tony, it's your turn. Additional thoughts other than Spider Dog um, for Across the Spider Verse? One can only dream. I am I'm interested in this as well. Um, I hope it does pick right up right where they left off. Um, Definitely enjoyed the first one. I don't know what the best Spider-Man movie is. It's not one of my favorite characters. Um, although it's not a character that I'm not, I'm not disinterested in the character. 
So I'm really looking forward to this as well as I'm sure we're going to get into No Way Home, you know, coming up here and that's coming out soon. I know congratulations, one POD for obtaining your TIXs. So, uh, yeah, there you go. I think it would just be TIX. I think that that's implicitly plural, sir. Yeah, you wouldn't, I feel, you wouldn't I, say Chinese. I, I, I get. Listen, <laughs> I get. I, listen, Platt, I, after everything we've done today, I get you feeling the need to correct me. Just today? <laughs> Platt, any no, thoughts but, on the trailer as you're supposed to be winding this up for us? Much like Mr. O'Dell, man, I'm a Spider-Man mark as well. This is He's my guy. You know, he he's definitely my guy. The trailer looks good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the first movie. I, I'm much like Dave. I still rate Spider-Man two slightly above Into the Spider Verse, but it, I mean, it's 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 very close. It's very close. Um, one thought that I had, not necessarily uh, relevant to this movie, but going back to the MCU for a second, what are the odds that we get a Miles Morales at some point in time in the MCU? Because they did kind of. Yeah, because they kind of set the table because Don, the Donald Glover character was supposed to be the Prowler, right? So yeah, they, 100%. you may get yes. your answer in two weeks, Mister. You won't stop. You no. won't. You're going to get it in one of the next three movies that they've already announced that Tom Holland signed on for. So, is there there there? What are if three they make more... a, Could they could they make the character animated inside of a live action movie? No. This is I why mean, you're the studio could, audience, sir. Just, just applaud. We, we could, we could Roger Rabbit it. You don't know. Here's the thing that I will say about this trailer. One of the things I'm actually looking forward to in this movie because one of the things I thought was beautiful in Into the Spider Verse is that every character that was brought into Miles's world, the animation itself was different, so that they were distinct based on their universe and that was the other thing i loved is that when miles whatever universe he wound up into the art is completely different than what you saw in his current universe and i'm looking forward to seeing because we got snippets and in into the spider-verse when the characters did their origin stories this is miles immersed in it and it looks like the artwork even around Miles changed as he went into these other universes as well. So I'm very intrigued to see how they do that because one of the other things that makes Into the Spider-Verse so special is the risks that Sony Sony Animation took in making that movie because they they did a lot of what I would was was just cutting edge stuff in terms of making an animated film. And that's why I won't scoff at an into you know, a multiverse concept where things animated because who knows that i think it's a sandbox i don't think that's going to happen but i'm also not going to scoff at it because they've really turned the mcu and spider-man story in the mcu into a sandbox to really play around with different concepts or ideas so maybe it does i doubt it but you never know and so that could that could be very very cool well, scoff, scoff, Patrick, and scoff, scoff, Tunny. And we take okay. two steps forward and two steps back. Ah, we go together because I'm dressed like a cat. Oh. 
All right. And on that note with Paula Abdul, we are going to go into our second commercial break. Before we head into our recorded commercials, it is my duty to remind you that if you enjoy the work that we do here on the ChairShot Radio Network and on the ChairShot.com, to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the ChairShot and invest in a ChairShot Radio t-shirt. We have all kinds of awesome designs for you to choose from, including the Bandwagon Nerds t-shirt. That's right. I've got one. You should get one, too. Branding is important. You can get those shirts for $19.99, or if you want to spend a few dollars more, have something feel nice on your giblets, pay a little extra dollars, get it soft style. Again, that is prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. And in the words of one Christopher Platt, it's not just a website, it's a movement. Again, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. When we come back, we're going to do some news around the nerdosphere and Patrick's pitch here on Bandwagon Nerds, a part of the Chairshot Radio Network on the Chairshot.com. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore. Everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShot.com All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds. Dave, it's once again time to cue up some of that news music as we do some news around the Nerdosphere. All right, and welcome back to News Around the Nerdosphere. Dave, I'm actually going to have you kick this conversation off because you shared an article in the Bandwagon Nerds DM chat asking the question, is Skynet going live? Because apparently scientists have figured out a way to make living machines that can reproduce that sounds it sounds dangerous. Yeah. It sounds dangerous. So uh, basically basically it's uh, these are machines that are made from stem cells from some African frog that found a way to reproduce basically in a very Jurassic Park life found a way sort of way. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this article and should we be worried are the machines taking over? Well, they always find a way to blame Africa for all the bullshit. Yeah, that's Stay it. woke. <laughs> Stay woke. I mean, they didn't blame Africa. They just said it was a fraud. They will. Once they start taking over, they will. Yeah, they... Remember, uh, it it was an African dude that fucked a monkey, and that's how we got AIDS. That's right. All right, all right, all right, all right. You know, I'm rolling my eyes. Go ahead, Dave. I apologize. I'm going to mute now. No, I think when, when Pat said the whole thing about Jurassic Park, when I read the article, I got a real Jurassic Park vibe from this thing. It's like, wait, so you guys developed nanobots, essentially, by stripping away stuff from African frogs' DNAs and their cellular structure and making them into living machines of sorts. But they're not really, you know, the article talks about machines and how in your head, when you think of machine, you think metal wiring, Johnny Five sitting behind you, Patrick, that sort of thing. And those are the kind of machines that you think of when you're talking about robots. But the way they describe this is very different, but still... All that aside, there is a Jurassic Parkish element to it because these, whatever they are, 
have found a way to reproduce, and it's, lo and behold, different than scientists expected. And as soon as you start reading, hey, they're operating in a way that we didn't anticipate and we didn't program it to do this way. Yeah, Skynet is the first thing that jumps to my mind and says, hmm, this sounds very familiar to me. The machines have done something that humans couldn't anticipate and they didn't account for. And yeah, we can control it now. But what happens 10 years from now when these things have evolved and, and get out of control? And it's like, they're going in a way we didn't expect. And the next thing you know, we're all annihilated. So anyway, that's why when I when I read the article, I said, hey, this this could be like Skynet coming. So interesting. So, so, so Tony, when the robots become self-aware and replicate, should we be worried and should we be worried? Should we be more worried for for our friends Chris and Ray, or or, or you know, are we safe? No, I'm just, just kidding. Since we're y'all ain't safe, but they'll outrageous. they'll take us out first. Yes, you, y'all know how this works. But y'all I think ain't you're safe. missing. And, and Dave is right after us. <laughs> so <laughs> I think you're missing where this is all actually going. We're gonna have the first, you know, real life robotic vagina at some point. See, I was going to ask that. Was that the next question was, Chris, if they don't try to kill us, who's going to have sex with it first? Probably me, but is it really that hard to get <laughs> pussy, y'all? Yo, <laughs> 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 but seriously, man, this because I, I read this article and I, I read about this before Dave put it in the chat. And it, it just harkens me back to something that my mother told me as a young adolescent, as I was a young adolescent, not my mom. That would be weird. But she told me anything that you see in the movies they got that shit. Like, they got that shit for real. And, you know, it, it's something that resonates with me and has and stuck with me throughout my life, man. So, on the surface, man, this is scary as fuck. And if I'm not, you know, correct me if I'm mistaken, but I believe that Stephen Hawking was trying to warn us about this shit before he got up out of here. About how the AI was eventually going to take over if we didn't change some things up. But, I mean, look at us, man. We're ripe for the picking right now. We're fatter than we've ever been. We're dumber than we've ever been. Hell, the entire world just came to its knees for two years by a virus that could be defeated by washing your hands and maybe not putting them in your mouth. So, the, you know what I mean? Just, just you know, fast-forwarding this shit, you know, 100, maybe 1,000 years from now, it's, it's kind of scary, man. I don't I don't want to be hyperbolic, but we're kind of right for the picking right now as a, as well, a species. Well, we're being a little I'm hyperbolic. Saying, I'm just saying. I, I, I'm so, yeah. not being hyperbolic, but I'm a little hyperbolic. Ray, what about you? Are the machines coming for us? So I know Skynet was what Dave thought of, but my first two thoughts immediately were iRobot and Wally. And those are my first two thoughts because an iRobot, the Will was telling everybody, these, these damn robots, they 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 alive. Well, no, they're not, they're not. And of course, humanity is always the last to figure shit out because we're stupid and we don't listen to facts or proof or things like logic until it's too late. And the Wally thing is the one that gets me because I know there are always advancements in science just because you would want to advance in science because you want to try to find something or fix something or advance something. But then there's people in science that just do shit because they're like, well, how far can we test our limits? Right. And the whole thing with Wally was, well, it got to a point where they had convinced themselves, well, the robots got our best interest at heart. Robots don't give a shit about them. They'll try to kill them the whole time. You know, so it's interesting. I, I am, I'm not so, I don't think this is an issue in terms of like tomorrow or next month or next year or next 
decade or so. But you always could tell the technology is moving so fast and changing so often. And consequently, the world is so dumb to technology. You know what I mean? With respect to people who are iPhone users, and I'm not dissing anybody who's iPhone user, iPhones are the simplest things to use. People who like, I've heard people, and I'm, I'm, I'm working in the tech field. The reason most people who are iPhone users don't, that the reason they tell me they don't like Androids, because it's too difficult to use. We're just talking about the basic, most basic piece of technology you use in your life, right? How many people do you hear all the time that say, well, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing on this computer. The sim- I'm not talking about coding or anything major, but the simplest shit, right? And everything in our lives are computerized. Our cars are computerized. The register at the grocery store is computerized. The da- Your damn alarm on your house is computerized. So it's only within your it's, it's only within reason that eventually the technology is going to overtake us in terms of the technology is bigger and more complex than we as a society know how to use. And that's when the fear sets in. And that's on its way. I don't think it's tomorrow or next month or next year or next decade, but it very clearly there is a slippery slope that we just put some Paul Malive on the damn ground and we're playing slide to the edge and see what happens. Like it's all it's coming. I always talk about the slippery slopes, but Ray, you could have stopped with people are dumb and then just put a period on there because this is going to happen. Have. They're going to have the robots first doing jobs that nobody wants to do, like ditch digging and shit like that. And oh, then eventually, South Park? Is it South Park? And, and then eventually they're going to upgrade, which is going to eliminate a lot of jobs. It's going to kill off a lot of the population because they literally can't afford to eat because those jobs are going to be done. And then one day, these motherfucking robots are going to look around and say, yo, these melon farmers dumb as shit. How about we work together? They've never figured out how to work together. This is why their civilizations keep blowing up, wash, rinse, and repeat. How about we get together and make these motherfuckers work for us? And then we become hamsters on the wheel or batteries like in the Matrix, you know? Okay. It's interesting. Hey. One more thing real quick. It's interesting. And I know this yes, is all... Yes, we need to go further down this rabbit hole. Go. <laughs> no, this, no, this, 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 is, this is comic book related. But it's just interesting that the first thing that Ultron realized when he came alive was Oh, this motherfucker's stupid. Yeah, that's the first thing he noticed. Yeah, yeah. Is he wrong? So I'm just, I'm just, is right. he wrong, Ray? No, so, he's not wrong. No, that, the that, that, that's our point. That's literally our point. So, <laughs> so here, here, here's my, here's my pushback. One, these are little blobs circling, circling around each other, and really doing nothing else. So, yes, I get it. As you all said, like our future, like as we just gave a very nihilistic segment of of the of the bandwagon nerds here and please believe me the world's not ending tomorrow everyone i you know i do also point out the other side of that technology thing in your marvel example is the good that's done by good guys with within the within the story as well tony stark sure. you know ultra or not ultron vision those sorts of characters that that work against it and humanity does tend to be a resilient little little creature so we'll have to wait and see it's an interesting story i remember everybody thought we were all going to die when dolly the sheep was cloned and that didn't happen either i don't think skynet's coming anytime soon i think we're going to be okay let's shift gears 
And let's talk about Halle Berry, all right? No, no, no. We're going to talk about Halle Berry. I'm, I'm just saying, if they need a – can you imagine getting a hand job by a robot, though, how rough that is until they figure out the technology? You know what well, I mean? They'll, like, they'll, I'm, sure they'll, I'm sure they'll get a robot to meet your needs. But we're talking about Halle Berry There's one in Japan right now, Chris. All right. Yeah, we're talking about <laughs> something different. See, this is maybe, what maybe, you don't do, Dave. You maybe, just let them keep going. So, maybe maybe Halle not Berry. invite me on the show next time then if you didn't well, think it was I gonna go Ray this way, sir. We we talking about robot <laughs> pussy and shit. Like where'd you think uh, I was gonna take it, Patrick? Have well, we met? I thought you were gonna be respectful of me and my space. That's what I thought was gonna happen here. Jokes and... on you, sir. Jokes on you, sir. <laughs> you know, I don't go waltzing onto your oh actually I did kind of waltz onto your show. Yes. <laughs> That's beside the point. Anyway, so Halle Berry has had kind of a big week as she her directorial debut film it was called bruised debuted on netflix at number one is holding strong in the top 10 right now and it was announced this week that she has signed a multi-picture directorial deal with netflix to put a bunch of netflix exclusive films out there so I have not yet seen this movie. It's about an MMA fighter, like an aged MMA fighter trying to make a comeback. Uh, It did not get strongly reviewed by critics. That hasn't stopped viewers, much like Red Notice. Red Notice was not strongly reviewed by critics, but it certainly didn't stop viewers from watching the movie. Thoughts on Halle Berry? If you've seen the movie, um, and I don't know, has anybody actually seen it? Ray's actually seen it. So I'll let you comment on the movie first and, and the quality of it. I have seen a lot of positive talk about the 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 directing and the film work itself yes but that the film itself wasn't particularly great but does it is this a big deal do we care what's what what say you ray in regards to holly berry getting this deal first off let me talk about the film and you you kind of put it in a nutshell from a cinematic point of view it is shot fantastically yeah i think she had a great eye for this and if you if you know anything about the, the the making of this movie. She's worked on this movie for almost five years. She trained for two and a half years to be a fighter before she started shooting the movie. So like this was really dear, near dear to her heart. So you can tell that in the shots that's made. The plot is interesting. It has its moments where it's really, really compelling. It has its moments where it's a little, huh. By and large, it's a good movie and I enjoyed it. And she, her acting is impeccable in the movie. She's acting her ass off. You know, but I don't know if she wrote the movie as much as she adapted the movie. So you know how that can go. Um, I think it's dope, personally, when um, established A-level actors decide, I want to try my my, uh, hand on the other side of the camera and help other people get to where I got. I think that's a dope idea because... With respect, a guy like Denzel has been acting at the top of his craft for 40 years now, right? And so if he never said, let me get on the other side of the camera and start helping some of these other guys come up and using my influence in a positive way, he's just taking up roles other people could take that would help build the new generation, right? So I appreciate it when these guys... um, Ben Affleck has done it a lot. Bradley Cooper has done it a lot very recently. I, I like when they do this. Jolie, I think, has done some directing. 
where they say, I'm going to use my influence. I have an idea. I want to use my eye. I don't want it to be known as, hey, this person acted all their life. I want to do more and use that for good. I appreciate that. That is a very positive thing to me, and it only helps the good of the industry. And I truly believe, and I could be wrong, we'll see what happens in five years and now, but I truly believe that Holly Berry is a person who cares about that thought process, and Netflix is the type of studio that will allow that thought process to thrive because they are the studio that is very willing to just say, whatever the fuck you want to do, let's see what it happens. Why not? If it works, cool. If it doesn't, cool. We we out here. We got thousands of platforms on our network anyway. If it worked, great for us. If it didn't, cool. Um, so I am here for it and good on her. And I like to see people get rewarded for good work and the work she put in for this damn movie. She deserves some type of positivity from it. So good on Holly. Plus she fine as fuck. Tony, your thoughts on Halle Berry getting a multi-movie deal with Netflix? Yeah, I mean, clearly very talented actress, knows what she's doing around a camera, whether it's in front of it or behind it. But to just, you know, emphasize Ray's last sentiment, uh, probably the Sophia Loren of her generation where, you know, much like uh, Genevieve Kang, age has not taken its appropriate toll on her uh, looks. So, Way to bring that full circle, by the way, like bringing it all the way back. Um, Mr. Platt. Well, she's definitely had some work done. I know that for a fact. Uh, fun fact about me, my wicked stepmother, rather, her brother actually dated Holly Berry in high school, even took her to prom. And that's back when she still had her Negro nose. That's why I say I, I know she's had some work done, but she's still beautiful. But no, but real, but serious question, though, man, seriously. And uh, how, how do you quantify the career of Holly Berry? She, she's a, a terrific actress. I don't necessarily think that she ever got that that Pacino in Godfather or that De Niro in Raging Bull type of role. I mean, you know, that won. role. She yeah, won but, yeah, but come on, man. That, eh. The Dorothy you know Dandridge movie was absolutely that moment. And I, and yes, no matter how you feel about it, that move the, with Billy Bob, that sex scene in that movie, that's her moment. I, and I know all, too often people of color have to do either something really fucked up or really sexual to get to that level. But she killed that fucking role. Holly Berry's that biggest must- issue is she makes terrible casting decisions. She picks bad movies to be in. That's her biggest well, issue. I, I was getting to that as well. I'm glad. My bad. You my bad. I'm up. sorry. No, no, you good, man. You good. Yeah, you you answered my question. Because I mean, you, but I mean, but on, on the other token, though, good to her. She's been in the industry for over thirty years. You don't think of her as a great actress because you know, her looks, her beauty, kind of precedes that. But she she's a terrific actress, and and she's been around for what over thirty years in an industry that typically ages women out. And that's not a knock to the women. That's more a critique on our society and how Hollywood views these women. I mean, these poor women got to go fuck their faces up trying to stay relevant and look young. You know what I mean? Because that's that's the game. It's cold game. You know so, what I mean? I, I, I disagree in the sense, uh, in terms of what you were talking about, Ray, um, in terms of like bad casting. I kind of put her like she finds projects she wants to do and she just she does them and fuck you if you don't like it. Like she went and picked up her Razzie for Catwoman. Like she went, uh, like she showed up in person and was like, look, if you hate it, fine. You know, come, come at least watch the movie. And she's earned the right to do what she wants. 
I agree. Right. And, we all and agree Nick with that. Cage is the Great same point. way. Like Nick Cage has put out some shitty, shitty uh, movies. Uh, but, but, I mean, but let's not compare Holly Berry and Nick Cage. Nick no, Cage Nick, Nick Cage Ooh. likes to spit, but he, Nick Cage likes to spit. He, money, was, so he, he won an Oscar for leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> He was he was just as he is just as talented an actor as anybody and yeah because, and he takes shitty roles because he he was terrible with his money and is fucking broke like he's like the Ric Flair uh, of acting like he he had to literally he has to literally do anything so that he can Nick get paid. Cage would like to announce to you that he will never retire. Basically, he's he's Hollywood royalty too. You know he's a Coppola, but but go ahead, Ray, get in here. Yes, yeah, that's right. He is a Coppola. I think the yeah. difference is, and you, look, there's nothing you said I disagree with. I think we all would agree with that, that you should take whatever role you want, especially when you've earned that right. I think the difference is Holly Berry has the talent and the chops and the roles to be put up there with the Meryl Streep's and other people. But she's not because she's chosen some really bad ones, too. I mean, it, from my point of view, like I think she's up there with them, even if the rest of the world does not think that. Okay, so, well, then we can, we can, with you on we can agree one. on that. Dave, jo- Dave, jump in for a sec. You haven't really commented on this conversation. Well, um, and then I have one question for the group um, I b- mean, before the last topic. I think the <laughs> the comparison of Nicolas Cage to Halle Berry it, it isn't, uh, it's not exactly a one-to-one comparison. Nick's problem is he's just taken too many shitty roles in succession. Whereas because Halle Berry, he was broke. Yeah. Whereas Halle Berry's <laughs> been more selective with the shitty roles that she's taken. I, you know, as far as this movie doesn't interest me, to see Bruce, but um, as far as her getting a big deal to be to be a director for Netflix, good for her. I I I know I'm in the minority in this, but my favorite Halle Berry role was her in Boomerang with that movie with Eddie Murphy because I loved That's her. I loved her performance in that where she was, you know, great kind role, of great movie. She was like, you know, going along for much of it. It's just kind of like this meek kind of there going along as he was too busy with Robin Givens. And then when he dicks her over and she turns into that strong personality, I was like, damn, that's a good performance. So I loved her in that. A Catwoman gets a bad rap, but I mean, it's... Oh, it's god no, awful! Don't do no, it. It's god awful. It's I, the worst shit ever. It's like no, it's DC's Electra. It's DC's Electra. So there you go. It, it's Holly Berry no. in, in skin tight patent leather. Come on, man. How bad can it be, right? Cool, cool, but it's a god awful. Yeah, yeah. Put the shit on mute. Nope. Nope. Anyway, nope. good good for her. I, Question I, for the panel: With her moving into directing, does Holly Berry direct a movie that results in an Oscar for directing? PC Tony. A win or a nomination? A win. No. Nope. Okay. Dave, make the white folks go first. <laughs> I probably <laughs> I'm probably with Tony on this one and I'll go no. But it's 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 so early. In her I'm gonna career. say yes. I'm gonna say yes on the strength of her early critical reviews on a badly reviewed movie. If she's getting that kind of pub on, on a on a poorly written movie that was 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 said to be directed well, I'm gonna say yes, especially if she starts to to back away from acting in general and starts to to focus more on being behind the director's chair. Christopher Platt, does Halle Berry win an Oscar for directing? I say yes because of the world we're in right now where, you know, diversity is a big thing and everybody wants to appear to be quote-unquote woke and stuff like that. So I could see 
I, I could see a project that she does kind of getting pushed to the forefront. Not saying that she can't direct a Oscar caliber movie. I'm, I'm just going to say, yeah, I'm going to just stop talking because I don't want to lose my Disney spot. So, yes, I'm going to say yes. Ray Cash, bring us home. Right now, I'm going to say no because it's gonna, it definitely matters what the actual property is. And if you look recently, the same four or five directors are normally winning that role. But if Ben Affleck can win a best actor role, um, then she can. So anything's possible. All you got to do is either a biopic, a war film, or a period piece. That's Oscar bait. That's that's yeah, Oscar bait one on one. Did you just make the Tropic Thunder argument? <laughs> I think I did actually. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Have you have you ever been to Oscarbait.com? That's the thing. I, there's a punchline there if you think about it. I, I won't, you know, do a disservice by throwing one out that's pretty cheesy. So go ahead. All right. Well, we'll leave that for all of the nerds it's out there. Off the Oscar award-winning movies. Okay, I had to let it go. There you go, Oscar bait. Ain't nobody jerking off to dances with wolves, Tony. So somebody I might mean, be. I don't know. I I um, wasn't going to pursue this. Uh, my lord. Last. <laughs> Last article in news around the nerdosphere as the dumpster fire that is this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds continues. An article was shared. I can't remember if Ray shared it or if Dave shared it, but it was in regards to the viewership of the first two episodes of Hawkeye on Disney Plus. And it's been reported that it has it is the least viewed of the Disney Plus series and that its numbers were well under what they projected this special to be and within our own private conversation and this article kind of speculates a little bit too was this question of fatigue and whether people are tired and and maybe waning and we've had this conversation i feel like repeatedly whether it's in terms of backlash or or people losing stuff do we sound the alarm right raised on the phone do we sound the alarm dave or or is this a whole lot of ado over nothing? Because I think it's much ado about nothing. I'll put my opinion out there right away. Yeah, I agree with you. I think a lot of things, you know, if you're looking at numbers and streaming numbers and that sort of thing during Thanksgiving week when a lot of people weren't necessarily going to be parked in front of the TV streaming a bunch of content, uh, I think, you know, I, if it was critically reviewed poorly, which we know it wasn't, I would be more concerned. Than, than what we got. I mean, right now, it just could be an anomaly. Um, we do know that there's some, I think, like, I don't think this is a, a, a symptom of Marvel fatigue, even if that might actually be a real thing. But I don't I don't really see this as being that. It, it's a, it was a very good show. You and I reviewed it. You know, we, we talked about it on the Nerd Review this week. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that there's any reason to get overly concerned right now. I mean, if numbers keep slipping for episodes three through six, then... Okay, then there's something to be worried about. But right now, I I wouldn't expect it. I think it just you know a, a combination of a lot of different factors. I don't think it's anything like uh, from the standpoint of popularity or people saying ah this so- this show's not for me. I, I don't see that at all. Tony, should we be worried about the low numbers on the early returns for Hawkeye? I mean, like worried in what aspect? Like they're going to like stop is this the beginning so, of a downturn so of, of interest? Oh no, I, I I'll be honest with you, and Ray, I'm sorry, but my opinion on this is that it that Hawkeye is just not an interesting character. It's I, I'll I, listen, listen, listen. 
I haven't watched a single minute of this yet, and I'm not yeah. sure I'm going to get to it, to be honest with you. And I'm just being honest. And 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 that's no fault to uh, the you know the validity of, of 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 Hawkeye as a superhero or or the actor playing the character. It's just it doesn't make that thing in my brain click. Go, I got to create time to watch this, or or I'm about to sit down and watch something right now. The problem is, is I am so fucking behind. I. I haven't even seen any of the episodes of the brand new season of Flash on CW, so maybe attribute that to it as well. But it is a lot more appointment, you know, uh, streaming. We don't say appointment television or appointment streaming. Um, it, it's less important to me than than the previous series in in the same avenue of media. Mr. Platt, cause for concern. Sorry, Ray. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with all three of you gentlemen that have spoke so far, man. I don't really think it's cause of concern. I think that there's a lot of factors that go into this. Uh, case in point being the time that this series was put out. You know, we're we're in the holiday seasons. This is the first time in a couple of years that people have able actually been able to congregate with their family and friends and hang out and stuff like that. Uh, content overload. There's just a lot of shit to watch right now. You know regardless of the streaming services stuff like that you know football is heating up we're going into the college football playoff we got the nba we got basketball you know maybe people are just out shopping during the holidays like there's a lot of factors for that also even though i don't agree with this take because i I really like clint barton and the hawkeye character i think that he's actually our proxy he serves as our proxy into this universe filled with gods and intergalactic and dimensional battles and power struggles and shit like that i think to the average person watching he's kind of been presented as an ancillary character again i don't agree with that assessment but i i think that that would be the prevailing logic to most people in regards to the the uh the marvel universe that that that's how they view him even though he's the most well-adjusted avenger of them all i mean jesus Tony Stark was a megalomaniac bordering on sociopath. Uh, Captain America was a popsicle for 100 years and then chose to thaw out and go back into segregation. You know, oh. Natalia's all fucked up. Still hope, uh, still uh, hope Thor, boss, and your boss, yeah, Walt. Yeah, yeah, Nat's all fucked up. Thor is a petulant As man-child dead, god. She's all with, fucked up because she's dead. Well, that too, but Thor's a petulant man-child god so, with a, a inferiority complex, and of course, Dr. Banner. So I think he's been positioned in not the best way, and that might have something to do with these low ratings I as think, well. I think, Platt, you need to check your email for your uh, for your termination notice from your time with Disney. I feel like that contract yeah. uh, just ended right there. Ray, that did it, Pat. You, yeah, that did it. We're, we're talking about Hawkeye and the low numbers and whether or not yeah. this is cause for alarm or something else. What do you think about this report regarding Hawkeye? Well, first off, flat hit around the head. Um, this hurts me to say because I am amazed. Hawkeye is my favorite Marvel character. Yeah. But the way he has been positioned in the MCU has been ancillary. And even of the of the powered people, he's secondary to a lot of of the non-powered people. Right. People respect Nat because she could throw hands. Clint Barton is every bit the assassin that uh, that um, Natasha is. Natasha, not Natalie. Sorry. I apologize. It's Nat. a wrestling yeah, night, y'all. My... my bad. Yes, that that Natasha is. In fact, every time they fight, he lets her win. That's not conjectural. Go back and watch their fights. Um, but they have positioned him as just the guy with the, and he's so much more than that. 
Clint was such a badass that he got a rogue uh, Natasha to flip. You think he did that because they were talking? You know what I'm saying? So, but they haven't positioned him on screen as a guy who is um, important enough for us to care about singularly. And that is, to Josh Whedon's credit, I'll never say those words again, but to Josh Whedon's credit, he tried to fix it in Age of Ultron by making that Hawkeye's movie, essentially. And it made him funny, but it didn't make him, I think, interesting enough. And then he was, again, always was just a secondary, secondary, secondary character. So that's a big part of it, number one. Another big part of it, I think, to me, is I don't think that it is superhero fatigue or anything like that. But I do think that, unfortunately, it feels like people don't take the Disney Plus series as seriously as the movies. You know, WandaVision's reviews got so crazy they had to watch it. Right? It was just so out of this world, people just had to see what the fuck was going on. Falcon and Winter Soldier didn't do great numbers. Think about it. Compared to Loki and WandaVision, it didn't do great numbers. They really good numbers, but it was the second property that they did, so they had nothing to base it on. Loki's gonna do great numbers because Loki is one of the tent pole characters in the MCU. So right. I just, you know what I'm saying? And Cumberbatch, not Cumberbatch, um, Hiddleston is one of the biggest stars in the world. So I just feel like we're in a situation where I don't want to say it was lose lose, but you know, but when you is have this an, a, no, go ahead, go ahead, finish your thought. Sorry, just real quick. When you have an original six Avenger and he debuts in 2010, and you don't give him his own property to flesh out his entire world until 2023, 2022, essentially, the movie is set in 2024. It makes you wonder how important is this guy? At least for Widow, we have a reason. Ike Perlmutter wouldn't let them make the movie. Right. So it makes you wonder if if this guy isn't important enough for us to care about him in 12 years, why would I watch it? So it and it hurts my heart because the shows are fantastic. I'm sorry. I'm I'm done. Go ahead. No, I apologize, man. I'm just get my shit in because I think it's gonna be back. But you really think that Ultron was Clint's movie? Because I, yes, I thought absolutely. it was Wanda's movie. I thought it was Wanda's movie. It's it's an introduction to Wanda, but the big complaint that came out of the original Avengers movie was that Hawkeye is this found is like one of this original six Avengers in the MCU. He's not an original Avenger uh, in the comics, but he shows yeah, up yeah, for about five minutes in the movie, gets possessed by Loki and is an antagonist and not really an integral part of the team coming together. And people were like fans of the character were like, well, what's this guy's point? And I mean, they so much so that they made fun of it on a skit in Saturday Night Live. Like, I remember he hosted Saturday Live, and they made fun of Hawkeye mercilessly over and over and over again. I'm out of arrows. And so... I'm done. I'm, so I'm, they, I'll see y'all later. <laughs> right. And so Whedon tried to do a little bit more to humanize Clint Barton's character. That's why they go to his farm. That's the safe house for his family. And this whole, like, other persona it was to, to give his character some development. He's the one who gets Wanda to suck it up and fight in age of ultron like he's the one who's like the city is flying it's it's flying he's like i'm gonna go out there and deal with this and you can either you can either stay here or you can get off your ass uh, if you get off your ass you're an adventure here's why it's there's, wanda's movie though but, but go ahead right uh, no it's it's definitely hawkeye's movie uh, i, I can give you more points movie than anything. There, there's also the part when they're in they're uh they're at the at the farm and uh 
Clint is talking to his wife, Laura, and she's talking about how they're all gods. And he's like, you don't think that they need me? And she's like, no, I'm I'm terrified that they do need you. Because <laughs> yeah. Clint is the Clint is the heart of the Avengers. They all of them are, and I know Tony isn't a alien god or whatever, but all of them essentially are superhuman people, even Tony to a sent with to an extent with his mind. But they forget that there are regular people that they affect. Clint allows them to remember that. Because Clint has a family, a wife. He lives a regular life when he's not working for Shield. So but but to and to real quick, Pat, to your point about um the mindless drone Hawkeye and regular Avengers, Jeremy Renner hated it so much he asked him to kill him. Right. He asked him to kill the character because he hated it so much. Right. That's it was how, a, that's it was where Hawkeye bad, started. It was bad. It was bad scripting. Um, clearly, you could hear Ray's Ray's passion behind his love of the Hawkeye character. One of the other things yeah. that I, I I just want to reiterate is that unfortunately, while all those things about Hawkeye are what makes him great, it doesn't put butts in seats. If and and I and I think that that's that's not overstepping like that's not exciting to a lot of audiences and so that like that every man sort of character can work in the context of a superhero film it's a little challenging to have happen so it's tough i don't think this is anything to freak out about in terms of like the mcu i think that we we all know this is a passing of a uh, of a torch anyway and that renner's looking to be done so i think this series so far has been a pretty good finale to that character we've got three episodes to go and and we'll see we'll see how the rest of the C, uh, this this little mini series plays out um Can going I say one more thing real quick just real, just real quick i don't think it's a, a, a cause for concern but i do think there is a possibility that this could be the audience saying we don't care so much about these heroes that are non-powered we want to see more people that have that- super powers or super this or super that I, I, think they have not, that I, I think they have not done street level heroes justice like because here's the thing people loved that first season of daredevil on netflix mm-hmm. so there's a market for it people loved the second season of luke cage people loved jessica jones now jessica jones is powered but her story is not really like if you go and you you watch those two seasons of Jack and Netflix had something that connected with people in, in in a way that the MCU version didn't, and maybe it's that dark gritty thing that they're just not doing. I don't know. But, but all three of those guys have superpowers anyway, though. Clint doesn't have. Yeah, but a they're not. But they're not OP superpowers. And Hawkeye does. Okay, so here's the thing: Hawkeye does things with a bow and arrow that no human can do. Like that's the thing. And yeah, they don't. They don't. Do they don't portray it in this in the that's what it is yeah show. regular people but, don't see it that way. What name name any other human who could shoot an arrow in the air with Pim arrow? By the way, Pim arrow. Nobody. That's the review. Stephen Amell. Stephen Stop Amell. it. Green arrow. Yeah, Stephen Amell can do it. Shut up. Um, and I see I him just, do it. Right, I got you. Um, Green arrow. I, I hear you. DC sucks. We'll cover that in twenty twenty seven when we get to the decathlon. But anyway. Last thought, Platt, before I move on. Go ahead. I, I want to ask, what's better? Is it, you know, because I can understand from an actor's perspective, you're ready to move on from this character and pursue other opportunities. But what's better? Is it better to do that? Or is it better to be like a Vin Diesel, who at this point in time, he's just in the Fast and Furious business? You know what I mean? Like, what's 
what Vin, well, what, what they, Vin Diesel's has, the executive producer of those movies, so he's not just doing right. the doing. Like, you, but you right. can, but but you understand what I'm saying, though. Sure, like, he, sure. he he's tried to do some other things. He tried to do that. He had that one movie where he played a lawyer and was trying to actually act, and it really didn't hit. And at this point in time, he's literally just in the fast. He's he he just does fast shit. Like that's just his lane now. Is it better to be that guy, or is it better to say, you know what, I want to move on from this character i'm tired of playing it i don't think i have any more else to say with this character and i'm gonna go do other things i hope y'all understand uh, what i'm tr- the question i'm trying right to ask. I, I just don't think there's a i don't think there's a right or wrong answer to that question platt both options are viable options for an actor and it can, it can be very very successful like i have no problem with someone like a vin diesel doing what he's doing in the fast movies and living his best life jeremy renner uh you know, and I don't even think he hates the character of Hawkeye. I think he likes it. Um, I think he likes the character. I think that he just wants to do different stuff. It's the same thing with um, with Chris Evans. Chris Evans doesn't hate Captain America by any stretch of the imagination. But he also wanted to do more than Captain America. Uh, and that's why, so far, he's been relatively adamant about his story is done and not coming back. Now, we'll see. Never say never. And the same thing with Jeremy Renner. But, you know, I think a lot of actors are, you know, they'll talk about their artists and they don't want their art to be limited to one or two things um, or or one character. So I just I don't think that there's a, a there's a correct answer to that to that question. I think that either route is acceptable. You can be Nicolas Cage and act in whatever the fuck you want. You can be Denzel Washington and be very selective in your roles and and lead a good, happy life. And it'll be fine. Yeah, I just thought it was an interesting question, man. Like, uh, for it example, is. Alicia Keys, she's a great songwriter, but she's never, per se, wrote a great song. So would you rather be Alicia Keys or would you rather be Chubby Checker? Who's known for the twist, but that twist is going to outlive him. You know what I mean? Like, that talk will be around I- until we're not around anymore. You know what I mean? No, I hear you. I don't know. Like I said, I, I got nothing for you. I think either are acceptable ways to go. Dave, you still awake over there, buddy? You okay? I am. I just uh, I didn't want to step on your toes. I, I know you're trying to transition out. I, all I wanted to say, though, is that if Marvel's doing something that I might question, they are sending some mixed messages with this phase where it's been so focused on cosmic stuff, and then you try and funnel in the street-level character. This ties into what you guys are talking about, that maybe you're losing some people because you're focusing on Shang-Chi and you got Eternals coming out two weeks before you say, here's Hawkeye. And people are like, fuck, I'm confused by this shit over here. Now I'm trying to go back to do this, which worked well in the first three phases, um, but hasn't quite resonated so well in phase four. And maybe like Ray's saying, people aren't necessarily looking at the Disney plus series, even though we all know they're canon. A lot of people really aren't looking at it that way. So maybe that has something to do with it as well. A question for another day, definitely. And, and just to like start to start the ball uh, to, to wrap this up, maybe we're coming off an attitude era kind of thing. And we don't even realize it yet. I think, I think that's a very real thing. I do think that the Marvel cinematic universe is trying to find itself into its next phase. And we're experiencing those growing, growing pains right along with it. Is mayonnaise an instrument? Want to go jellyfishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? (laughs) You know what the problem is? 
no one's ever answered those questions before. So yes, yes, no, 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 yes, yes, no. And at some point since we I've sort of transitioned this into a different sort of segment that I that I'm working on calling Patrick's pitch. I gotta I gotta see if we can find a different uh see if we can work on a different soundbite to put together that makes some sense. But Ray alluded to this and I, I wanted to keep it quiet because I wanted it specific for Patrick's pitch, but with Dave being away, um, I messed up. Uh, I recorded a really good hockey talk episode with Dr. S'mores himself, um, Kyle Moores. Forgot my microphone, recorded off my computer's microphone. Between myself and Ray, we couldn't fix the audio. It was not a podcast that that we could post, that I, that I was just comfortable posting. I've profusely and profoundly apologized to Kyle because he really brought it and I felt terrible about it. And as I told Ray, uh, I really should have just been like, look, let's postpone this another day and record a different podcast. What did happen out of it, though, was um, Ray and I recorded a different edition of Chair Shot Radio uh, based on an idea I had kind of as I was like, well, shit, what do I do with with Chair Shot Radio? I want to make sure that we get something recorded, get out there, keep things on schedule. What could I do? And I started thinking about list shows. And, you know, we love doing lists here on the bandwagon. And I came up with this concept that I called the five by five. And what that was, was that we take a topic, any topic, and we do a top five of that topic. But we also do a bottom five or a worst five of that topic. And we call it the five by five in the way that Ray and Ray recorded this pilot idea with me. Um, and you'll hear it on chair shot radio, even after recording it, Ray can even tell you immediately after we finished recording, it was like, I already know how I want to change this thing. If, if it moves forward with a podcast. And, and so come Tuesday, give a listen to Ray and I's top five and bottom five Christmas specials uh, on the pilot edition of the five by five. It is not without controversy. I will tell you that right now. There are people in this in this podcast that will take umbrage with Patrick O'Dowd and Ray Cash's bottom fives. I from guarantee. From the very beginning. From the very first bottom five movie uh, Christmas special that we know. Got to give it a listen. But what I, I and I will also say the format. If if I pursue this and I and it's about will I have the time because I kind of I kind of think this is a, a show idea. Um, the way we did it on, on the, on the chair shot radio was we did our number five worst. And then we did our number five best. Then we did our number four worst and we did our number five best. And we alternated that way. The format, I was hoping to kind of juxtapose and have them contrast with each other. It just didn't sound and feel very organic or natural. I think it just makes more sense to do a bottom five commercial break, uh, top five or, or versi vice one way or the other. And that, that would be the five by five. But my, request of you is for each one of you because the way i would see this happening if i if i make this a thing is i would love to have a guest host addition in addition with me and it rotates and having different topics for those hosts to be able to bring from their wheelhouse and so i would like each of you to pitch me on a topic you would be interested in covering in a five by five podcast and first of all if you'd like to do less work uh you could have one the first week be the bottom five and then the next week be the top five and you could do half the work and cover twice the bases since i'm here i'll go first um i want to just pitch you outside of this first of all the beatles documentary which i've now watched 
Yes, twice in a row. I've watched it twice, eight and a half hours twice. That's 17 hours. And I've watched live performance on the rooftop three times. So that's separate. Had to get that in there today. Top five, bottom five. Man, I'd love to be on for a show. Patrick, where you and I, top five favorite Brewers, top five favorite Cardinals you get to do. And then I get to do my least favorite Cardinals and you get to do your least favorite Brewers. That's my pitch to you. Okay. I could, I, I, I mean, you're going to hate me after that. I, you know, Robin Yount, number one. Oh, no, just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, you know, that's a, the thing I really am interested in with this sort of concept is it literally can be any like topic that you can do a top five and a bottom five. Platt, if you were to pitch me a subject that we were to do a top five and a bottom five for the five by five, what would your what would you pitch to me that we that we do? Ah, damn, Pat. This is such an open ended topic, man. I That's mean, it's Unlimited a brilliant topic. Podcast. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. I would, I would yeah. love to pitch a, I would love to pitch an idea for the two of you. Go on. Your your top five and least top five politicians. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Remind me to miss that episode, Tony. Thank you. You do a top five hundred and a top or a bottom five hundred and a top five. Yeah, right. Because there's probably only been five good ones, and <laughs> and hey, that might be pushing it. Listen, you're looking for you're looking for polarizing topics. Chris has always known that controversy creates cash, and the Detroit Lions have just beaten the Minnesota Vikings. They will not hey! go with this. Last second touchdown. Congratulations. We got uh, game ending in in regulation touchdown. So, Platt, a topic. I'm trying, man. It's my God, man. It's just so open ended, man. Um, If you need to think, I got one. Yeah, throw, throw, yeah. What you got? All right. So, Ray, what you got? Top five, worst five, X Men. Mm, That's a good one. There you go. I thought for sure you know we're going with Ray. I'm, go- I'm gone for one week, and look at what you guys do. Right? You're just like leaving kids alone with toys and shit, you know. So basically, uh, uh, it's like playing, I, you know, with like your brother's kids. I know. Like, I wouldn't mind doing something like top five um, moments in United States sports history, and bottom five. You know, that would be that might be a fun one to do. You know, best and then worst moments. I could see something that that would be that'd be fun. I mean, for you, for you and Chris, I got an easy one because it's like top five, bottom five will be the same. Top five Zack Snyder moments, bottom five. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't have enough number top five. five. N- number five, greatest Zack Snyder moments. There are no great Zack Snyder moments. Number four, there are no great Zack Snyder moments. Number three, there are no great Zack Snyder moments. Number two, there are no great Zack Snyder moments. Number one. So you're saying, so you're saying that show for you two would be much like a show that you did the the best and worst French military attempts. Very, very true. Very true. All right. You got one uh, before we go, Platt? Yeah. What about like, and we can insert any actor or actress in here, but I'm I'm just going to say this guy because he's the first one that popped in my head. Uh, Top five, worst five Al Pacino performances. Yeah, absolutely. This is the thing about this this like I said this idea and this concept is there there really is no limits whether it's popular culture sports real world stuff literally thought like I said thought about this uh, Sunday or Saturday 
was messaging Ray as I was trying to see if that podcast could be saved was like, Hey, I have this idea. What do you think? Why don't we lay it down as a pilot? And one of the things I really appreciate about the chair shot radio is that it can be a sandbox every once in a while for other ideas. And so that's Dave, I'm sorry. That's how I chose to use our Tuesday chair shot radio slot is to try out some, uh, try out this five by five concept. So thank you very much for your pitches. Um, I hopefully will have more on this probably after the holidays as my God, things are getting busy and a little intense Uh, as it is. That is going to do it for this week's edition of bandwagon nerds. Before we head out of here though, fellas, thank you again for your ideas, but let's tell everybody where they can find us out there in the socials. And we will start this week with Ray cash. Uh, Well, thank you, sir. Um, And I also would like to mention that of, Share Shot Radio is a fantastic place to come up with ideas. That's where the what if idea came from. For the reformated, reformation, reformated, reformatted, Badlands, what if. Refor- um, reformulated. Reformulated. I like that. That works. But you can find me at It's Ray Cash. That is R-E-Y as in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. Mr. PC Tunney. You can find me at PC Tony on Twitter and Facebook. Make sure you're listening to everything on ChairShot Radio Network. You can find that on the ChairShot.com and all of your favorite streaming platforms. Special guest, Christopher Platt. Seeing as how I probably won't be invited back, first and foremost, oh, stop I'd like it. to thank... You'll be allowed to come back. You'll be allowed to come back. I'd like to thank God for whom without none of this would be possible. I'd like to thank Ali Sheedy as as Patrick is making out with her behind him. I'd like to thank Fisher Stevens because I had no idea as a child he wasn't Indian in the short circuit movies. <laughs> All jokes aside, man, I, I always have a ball here. Thank you guys for having me on. Y'all can see, find me on Twitter at the Real C Platt. And David Ungar, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Top Five Margot Kidder Moments. And uh, whoa. <laughs> that's right baby uh you can find me on twitter at attitude ag and on <laughs> facebook.com <laughs> slash attitude of aggression and you can find me on the twitter at wrestling realist that is at w-r-e-s-t-l-n-g-r-e-a-l-i-s-t make sure you also follow the bandwagon nerds twitter account at bandwagon nerds we're going to get those polls back up and running and get those comic book character informational bits uh, back on track as soon as we can. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and think of the five best and worst of everything in the world because, believe me, the topics are endless. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com, where you are encouraged to always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.
you know they're all female? Has somebody yeah. got in the park and pull up the dinosaur skirts? We control their chromosomes. It's really not that difficult. All vertebrate embryos are inherently female anyway. They just require an extra hormone given at the right developmental stage to make them male. We simply deny them that. Deny them that? John, the kind of control you're attempting is... Uh, it's not possible. Listen, if there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, it's that life will not be contained. Life breaks free, it expands to new territories, and it crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously, but... Uh, well, there it is. There it is. You're implying that a group composed entirely of female animals will breed? No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Yeah. Wow, that sounds like a really good deal. But I think I got a better one. How about I give you the finger and you give me my phone call? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.